0: Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo,
2: quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back another episode of Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me, as always, it's Kyle Madsen of NinersWire.com of the USA Today Sports Media Group and 95.7 The Game in the Bay Area. Kyle, what's happening?
2: What's happening? Chris, I am
1: drinking some Moscato out of a can and it
2: is delightful.
1: Wow, you're adulting really hard. Uh, <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah, people often look at me and they're like, Kyle, (laughs) you're super adulting. And I'm like, I know. And then I take another swig of my Moscato out of a can.
1: Yeah, so I I was in a similar mode for, I don't know, the last week or so. Uh, I just got back from vacation a couple days ago. Um, I did everything I could not to think about football. And and it was wonderful. It was fantastic. So there's a little bit of rust there.
2: Including Uh, studying
1: volcanoes. You became a volcanist. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for for a couple of days. I, uh, yeah, I walked in a volcano, which was pretty cool. It, there wasn't any lava or anything, but it was uh, this big crater. There wasn't any lava in there because all my
2: takes were on Twitter.
1: Boom! yo. we're off to a really good start to this podcast. <laughs> um, spent some time on the beach. Uh, went hiking. Did did a lot of uh, vacation type things, and uh, it was very much needed after that crazy forty nine er season, which included losing the Super Bowl. Um, but. This podcast, now that we've had some time to breathe, some time to evaluate, uh, we're going to kind of dive into what to look forward to this offseason and, and the sort of primer that, um, you know, f- what fans should be looking for, what you guys should be expecting as the combine comes up here in two weeks, uh, then free agency a couple weeks after that. Where, because the Niners played in the Super Bowl, we really don't have much time to take off uh, before we have to get into all of these off season things so that's really where we're going to start um but Kyle you have been in the I know I ask you this a lot so let me know if this is annoying but you have been in the sports talk radio um realm these last couple weeks and and I've been ignoring basically everything <laughs> that has to do with sports sports talk radio and twitter and all of that so why don't you give me a rundown, if you don't mind, of of where things stand with uh, just what people are talking about and, and uh, where, where the thought process is with fans and talk radio hosts about the 49ers right now.
2: Well, it's kind of interesting because I I <clears throat> we've basically not talked 49ers at all this week. Hmm. There's been some like really preliminary kind of free agency stuff and a little bit of George Kittle contract stuff and DeForest Buckner contract stuff but I think that was such a whirlwind run to the Super Bowl where from like week 8 on every 49ers game was a playoff game like just because of how close the standings were all the way up until week 17 And then they had actual playoff games and a Super Bowl that they lost in heartbreaking fashion. And I think by the time Super Bowl week ended and went into this week, I think people were just kind of not over it, but like exhausted. There wasn't there wasn't a whole lot to say, uh, a whole lot left to say anyway. Uh, All the decisions in the Super Bowl had been dissected and the timeout argument was was made and, and had and i think at this point the the 49ers are kind of going on the back burner the warriors made a made a big trade for andrew wiggins so that's been a big talking point the houston astros with their with their cheating scandal and their quote unquote apology today was a really big talking point so right now at least in the in the sports talk radio realm We've really been trying to find avenues for conversations outside of the 49ers, knowing full well that the Combine starts. And then three weeks after that, we get free agency and things kind of start rolling again. So uh, it was kind of a small break from the 49ers. But like you said, with the team going to the Super Bowl, it's not like there's that huge that huge gap between... Uh, uh, the the end of the season, and then and then something noteworthy happening again.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because normally, as as somebody who covers the team and who has covered the team through a lot of the lean years, it it feels like it takes forever for the regular season to end, and then free agency to come, and then the draft. Um, but this year, because the Niners played in the Super Bowl, and it was so hectic throughout January and early February. That stuff's going to come up on us real quick. So why don't we just talk about probably the biggest things that, that the 49ers front office is going to have to look at this spring. And Parag of course, is their chief contract negotiator. And, and he's going to have a really important job to fill, um, or, or really important duties, I should say, to to go through this offseason, because the 49ers are up against it. And this is sort of the cost of having a Super Bowl caliber team, is you have a bunch of good players. And not not enough money to pay everybody. So depending on whether you look or over the cap to to really help the websites when it comes to salary cap and salaries and things like that, uh, the Niners have anywhere between 13 and 19 million in cap space, which is near the bottom of the league. And they have a number of really uh, notable free agents, including Eric Armstead, Jimmy Ward and Emmanuel Sanders, all three starters, all three high level players. Um, and two of their best young players, George Kittle and DeForest Buckner, are due for new contracts. So, um, what you can do here with uh, let, let's go. So let's go through the the. I, I sort of made a list of how to prioritize these guys. I would um, I would work on extending Kittle and Buckner first, basically because these are two of your most important players on both sides of the ball. They're both young. They're both durable. They're both leaders, Uh, they're captains, they set the tone in the locker room, they're highly productive guys, Um, and just guys you want to build the rest of your roster around. So I think there's something to the idea of setting a precedent when it comes to contracts and rewarding guys who deserve it, Um, and Kittle and Buckner certainly qualify. So if you make your best players happy and treat them well, then the other guys in the locker room are going to use that as an example and say, OK, maybe I should try to replicate what those guys do and I will get cashed out at some point. So I would extend Kittle and Buckner and what you can be creative in the way you do that uh, in a way that doesn't handicap you from a salary cap standpoint this year. So you could even shrink to Buckner's cap hit for 2020 because his fifth year option is going to pay him something like 14 million dollars. You could guarantee him more money down the road shrinking his cap number for this year and backloading the contract, which is sort of the opposite of what the 49ers have done in recent seasons with all their big contracts by frontloading them, giving them flexibility uh, later in those deals because they had so much cap space um, all those years ago when they were really bad. Right. So now that the 49ers are good, they would do the opposite of that, push that money back. Same with George Kittle. Um, you're probably going to give him a significant bump, but it might not be in a way that really affects your cap situation too much this season, uh, even though he's probably going to end up getting something like $13, $14 million a year on average, which would completely reset the tight end market because he is the best tight end in the league. So I would extend those guys first because it's not going to have dramatic implications on your 2020 cap. And it does. It sets a precedent for the, less, the rest of the locker room. And then the other three guys, the three guys Armstead, Ward, and Sanders, I would put them in that order of priority. I would have Armstead yeah. first, Jimmy Ward second, and Emmanuel Sanders third. Um, mostly because I think Armstead is is just an extremely important player to the defensive line, and uh, I think Ward. You and I have both talked about him extensively. We're we're the presiders of Jimmy Ward Island. I think you could bring him back on an affordable contract, and he was a very important piece and one of the best secondaries in football. And I have Sanders third on the list because I think he's the most replaceable, mostly because of how good this incoming draft is with receivers and because you have other receivers coming into the mix next year, potentially if Trent Taylor gets back healthy and uh, Jalen Hurd. Hurd, thank you. Yeah, clearly on vacation mode. We'll edit that part out, hopefully. So yeah, with Trent Taylor coming back, Jalen Hurd coming back healthy in theory, uh, and maybe using that 31st overall draft pick on a receiver, um, you might be able to re- replace Sanders that way without having to spend eight, nine million dollars a year over the next two to bring him back. What do you think about that order of, of operations that I just laid out?
2: I think that's right. I think when it comes to, because ultimately with free agency, you're trying to weigh a little bit like, or when you're prioritizing these free agents, you're trying to weigh like how easy or difficult are they to replace. And replacing somebody like Armstead, who's so good against the run on the edge, and then was such an effective pass rusher this year, both inside and on the edge. Uh, that's that's really difficult to find, and I don't know if he'll replicate his ten sack season moving forward. But if he's healthy, I imagine, which he has been the last two years, I imagine that he could pretty regularly be a be a six or seven or eight sack guy, which is not super easy to find uh, in the league uh, when when you're as good against a run as he is. So uh, I, I I agree that. That you have to prioritize him first, just because I think his skill set is so difficult to to replicate. The same goes for Ward, but I I think it's easier to find a uh, uh, an effective safety than it would be to find somebody like Armstead, uh, who's just such a good all around player on the defensive line. Ward, though, like I struggle with this because I don't want this to sound like it's shade at Jimmy Ward. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. like Jimmy Ward was a really good player. He came in against the Browns in week 5 and was just excellent from the jump. And he he really played well all year. Not that I see, hmm, I'm talking my I'm talking myself into a ditch here because I think safety play is so vital. Like like especially in the Niners defense, having a really good safety is essential. And I think Jimmy Ward is really good. And I think the 49ers should try and re-sign him. But I think finding another really good safety, whether it's in the draft or whether it's finding somebody in free agency who might come at a little bit cheaper price tag, I think that's a little easier than it would be finding someone to replace Armstead. So that's why Jimmy Ward goes second for me. But uh, if they can bring Ward back, I think that'd be huge for their defense just because I think he is such a good player. And then Emmanuel Sanders is not only third, but a pretty distant third for me. Because I don't know what his market's going to look like. I don't know what his price tag would be. And if his price tag goes like a dollar over what the 49ers might be wanting to pay him, like I think it's pretty easy to let him walk. Because everything I'm hearing about this receiver draft class is, that it's one of the best draft classes in decades. Um, As you mentioned, Trent Taylor and Jalen Hurd both uh, potentially coming back off of injury like sanders to me is the easiest one to replace i i again i think he's a really good player i think he's still a really effective receiver even at 33 years old but when it comes to trying to prioritize where the 49ers are distributing their little bit of money i think sanders has to be has to be a pretty distant third i might put ronald blair ahead of emmanuel sanders honestly yeah I that's,
1: think my, that's, that's, a, that's my that's my bad call okay i i respect the take um I do think Blair is a is, has been a very underrated player for the 49ers these last couple of years, and I don't think it's a coincidence, and we've talked about this a lot, particularly during the second half of the season, but that the defensive line took a noticeable step back in terms of raw production when Blair was out because he did play a significant number of snaps, and like Armstead, he's somebody who could play inside and outside, Um, and he was a productive player spelling those dudes. And so, um, yeah, I'm with you. I think Blair is an important player and a key free agent to watch. And in some, in some cases, I think the, the injury, the torn ACL that he suffered in November against the Seahawks might be a blessing in disguise because it could lower his price, um, which might be good for the 49ers. So if they did let Armstead walk or if, uh, they did say what the Chiefs did with D Ford and tagged him and then traded him for you know a second round draft pick um i mean i would I would expect Blair to come back in that scenario, but you also have you know Demontre Moore, you have a draft pick uh potentially that you could use to to restock that position and you have Solomon Thomas who look like hasn't been very productive, but you do wonder if he's in a position to succeed with all these other players around him as that are sort of eating up those snaps. Like I do wonder what Solomon Thomas would look like in a starting role where he could play, you know, 75% of the time. Um, now that he's, he has had a little bit of time to develop and, um, he hasn't been particularly good and he hasn't stood out, but it's also more difficult to do that when you're playing, you know, a third of the snaps like he was in the postseason. So, right. um, You know, I I think the 49ers defensive line would still be very good with Armstead, you know, playing elsewhere. I would imagine they would free up that space to either, you know, I mean, if if Armstead isn't on the team, put it this way, they're going to get a draft pick or and or have more uh, money to spend at that position. So I don't think it would be dire straits. And I would absolutely expect Ronald Blair to be back. Um, But. It would be interesting to see how how they would do that, um, and it's going to be fascinating. The the sense I got from Armstead and talking to him after the season and and when they were cleaning out the locker is like he's totally fine with playing on the franchise tag, and he's not. It doesn't sound like he's going to be one of those guys. It's like no, I want um, I want five years and a hundred million dollars. Uh, Or nothing like I I think he would be fine with getting either the franchise tag or a short term deal. Um, And I'm very curious to see what the market is for Armstead, because obviously this was his his best year far and away from a production standpoint. But he did play in every single game for the second straight season while injuries were a significant issue before the previous two years. So now he's sort of proven he can be durable. Um, He's proven he can be productive. But at the same time, will other teams look at that like, oh, Armstead's a really good player or will they look at it like, well, he had a ton of talent around him and he was put in a lot of favorable positions. And I'm curious what the numbers end up looking like in terms of offers from other teams. If the 49ers decide not to give him the tag, which would pay him what, something like 17, 18 million, which would be a lot. Yeah. But they could, in theory, make that work if they make some cuts. They could clear up theoretically another thirteen million or so if they cut Marquise Goodwin, Tevin Coleman, and Jarek McKinnon. Um, so they they would have space to maybe give Armstead the franchise tag, maybe re-sign Ward and still do some gymnastics with Kittle and Buckner to spread their money out down the road rather than twenty twenty. Right. Um so it'll be interesting. I think Armstead's a good player. But I also could see other teams looking at him being skeptical of okay, how much do we want to give this guy? Do do we want to give him one of those contracts? It seemingly happens every spring where some pass rusher gets, you know, five years and something like a hundred million dollars with sixty million guaranteed or whatever. It's uh I don't know that Armstead's gonna get that because he's only done this for one year, but they're always it only takes one. And it always seems like there's a team desperate enough to get a talent like that when when it has the opportunity, because those opportunities don't always come around.
2: Especially when there are teams like the Dolphins, Colts, and the Bills, where you could see a team with just like just uh, all those teams have over 80 million in cap space. The dolphins have almost 90 million in cap space. I could see them dramatically overpaying a guy who's coming off a 10 sack season, who can play on the end and at defensive tackle. Um, I, I should say could play at the end or a four, three defensive tackle. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I, and Armstead I, I has a I imagine a lot he, of
1: reasons to want to stay.
2: Yeah, I, that and that was that's kind of where I was trying to get is he's from Northern California. Um he's been with the 49ers for five years. Um they're a really good team. They they are trying to get back to a Super Bowl. Like I, I just I, I have a hard time seeing him leave in free agency unless one of those teams I mentioned that just has a ton of cap space. Uh and and wants to make a splash just throws a ton of money at him.
1: Yeah, Which, absolutely. For
2: for all the things you said, I'm not, I'm not certain will happen.
1: Right. So yeah, we mentioned Ronald Blair's a free agent. Ben Garland, who ended up playing center, uh, after Weston Richburg tours patella in December. Um, he's a free agent. I would imagine he would come back at a at a very reasonable price. Demontre Moore, who knows? Um, he. He fractured his forearm, what, in late November, I think it was, uh, after Ronald Blair got hurt, which also significantly hampered the 49ers' depth on on the defensive line. So we'll have to see. Sheldon Day is another one. Um, you know, if they don't bring Armstead back, you could theoretically bring back Blair more and sign somebody and, and, you know, still not be at that dollar figure that Armstead would likely command. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, but... Let's let's move on to draft picks now and I don't have really much to say about this incoming draft class at all because I haven't uh spent a second even thinking about it to be honest and uh I I will be doing that over these next com- these next few weeks obviously with the combine coming up um but it's important to point out that the 49ers have 6 picks and only one is before round 5 yeah, which is tough. the 31st pick overall so the early thinking for me is that I think the 49ers are going to be super inclined to trade back and try to get as, uh, as many, um, try to get as many draft picks in day two and day three as they possibly can by moving back, sort of what the Patriots are known for doing, turning their first round pick into like three-thirds or, or something like that. See, I, I, could, I could see them doing that.
2: Unless something happens where they lose Armstead or Ward, or something happens where they need to fill like a starting role, I could see them picking at thirty-one and then just living with some with some later round picks. The Titans did that one year where they they had like they they had like four draft picks. Uh, they used their first round pick and then traded up a couple of times and that was it. Their draft was over. I could see the Niners doing that just because they don't have a ton of holes to fill on the fringes of their roster. Mm -hmm. Um, just from, just from a like necessary depth standpoint. So if they use that one first round pick and then just tried to find, find a couple of guys in round five and, and six or seven to, to fill out the roster, that's wouldn't surprise me that much, but I think you're right. If they find a taker for 31, like a team looking to get back into the first round to get that fifth year option. Uh, I, I, I definitely think that that's going to be the move. Uh, because believe it or not having more draft picks is better than not having more draft picks
1: yeah that's opinion. a str- that's a strong take yeah, Um uh, todd mcshay released his latest mock draft this week and he has the 49ers going with a wide receiver from colorado named lavisca Chenault. junior um i'm a bit dude big lavisca Chenault fan Okay, so, yeah, McShay describes him. I've never heard of this guy, and I thought I had a sort of decent grasp of the receivers. I would go early, uh, which shows how much I have not how much time I have not invested in the draft so far. Um, But he basically says he's like another version of Debo Samuel, someone who can carry the ball and be a receiver. Um, My initial thought on that is like you already have a Debo Samuel and I understand the whole position list thing. That Kyle Shanahan likes to do. But I I do think you kind of need a more traditional receiver. Um, Not necessarily a a guy you can line up anywhere. Like, you already have that in Debo. Get, like, a possession guy. Somebody you absolutely trust to get open on third and six. That is not so reliant on scheme but can just win in small spaces and and win contested catches. Um, That's the type of receiver I think I would try to add. To this 49ers offense because um, I think at certain points and particularly in the red zone and just clutch situations overall like the fourth down play at the end of the Baltimore game for example like if everybody knows that George Kittle is the only guy that you really trust in a situation like that to win one on one that isn't so dependent on scheme which Debo Samuel kind of is at this point and I expect Debo to get better. But my only point is, like, get a traditional receiver who you trust can just win when it matters that isn't so reliant on scheme, who's just like somebody, you know, like Debo is good, and I think he's going to be a very good player for a long time, but it's like a lot of his production is predicated on, you know, running these tricky reverses, which are based off uh, running a fake with a different running play and different, you know, things like that. It's like. If I were running the Forty ers and obviously I'm not, but I would I would just get somebody who it's like, all right, scheme or not, this guy can get open kind of no matter what, and we're not just we're not gonna get like another gimmicky gadget guy. Not that I think Debo Samuel is that. I'm just saying, like, when you I, I'm of the belief like when you're building a receiving core, you try to you try to get like a starting five in a basketball team. Sure. I know that that that's probably antiquated line of thinking, but like. I would try to find somebody different than what the 49ers already have is, is my point. So that's my LaVisca Shenault junior thought okay based okay. on the uh, six, six sentence. I've read about six sentences. Um, I can't speak that. I've read about him uh, on Todd McShay's mock draft.
2: Okay. Um, I, I hear you and I understand counterpoint. <laughs> what's better than one Debo Samuel
1: Two Debo Samuels. Yeah.
2: You ever think about you. that?
1: I haven't thought about that until okay. just now.
2: Okay. Uh, okay. Well, uh, I think LaVisca Chennault is, is uh, good at football. And I think that having a second wide receiver who is good at football would be beneficial to the 49ers. So I am in All the right. LaVisca Chennault hive. Okay. Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State is a, another Shanahan guy that I'm keeping an eye on. Anyways.
1: Okay. Let's take a quick break. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Chris. Have you ever seen an untucked button-down shirt? (laughs) Boy, have I. How do they look?
2: Well, I mean, a traditional button-down shirt looks terrible when it's untucked.
1: Yeah, because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Unkempt.
2: They look unkempt.
1: Well, thankfully, there's Untuck It. Uh, The original button-down shirt that's actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length kyle i believe you have at least one untucked shirt how is it working out for you
2: it works great um it doesn't quite fit me around the midsection yet because your boy is fat but uh even unbuttoned uh it looks great and looks so much better than than my other button-up shirts that i try and wear unbuttoned to pretend like they fit uh but they definitely don't and you can tell but the untucked shirt it's way harder to tell
1: yeah, I've worn my Untucked shirt to a few different games uh, this season, and it's comfortable, it's durable, it holds up to the dryer, and it's not one of those shirts that, like, you know you when you dry a shirt, sometimes it's all, like, wrinkled around the buttons and the collar, and you have to, like, spend a bunch of time ironing oh, it. the worst. That is not my Untucked shirt. My Untucked shirt, you can treat it like a normal t-shirt, you can throw it in the wash, you can dry it. Uh, The form is good, you don't have to iron it, the collar is great, Uh, still rigid, still has the shape that you need. When you do a lot of video content like your guy over here does after games, you need the collar looking fresh when all people see is really your shoulders up. Um, so, big fan of Untucket shirts. And with more than 50 fit combinations, Untucket shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Choose from styles like wrinkle free button down, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untucket, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use, they even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's untuckit, U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off your order. All right, so there's another subject that you and I wanted to talk about. Um, but before we get to that, we have a, uh, a bet online futures yeah, bet to discuss.
2: Boy, boy, do we. We have the betonline.ag futures pick of the week. Is betonline.ag. That's your online sportsbook expert. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for a 50% welcome bonus. That is promo code Blue. Wire, all one word. Chris, I'm looking at the A g 2020 regular season NFL MVP odds. I've already got some out. Patrick Mahomes leading that group at plus 600, uh, so six to one basically. You bet $100 to win $600. Uh, Lamar Jackson is plus 650. Russell Wilson is plus 900. Uh, Deshaun Watson plus twelve hundred. You got to go all the way down to plus four thousand uh, for to find Jimmy Garoppolo. He has the same odds as Ben Roethlisberger, Josh Allen, the Bills' quarterback, Kirk Cousins, and Phillip Rivers. Wow. I so. Think... Go ahead.
1: Well, so what do we think that number is by the time the season starts? I think fast it's pro- forward to to Labor Day week. Or the week after Labor Day?
2: Um, I think it's probably man, I I it depends a little bit on how the preseason goes in the draft and stuff, right? Uh I think it's probably yeah. I think it's probably about the same. Maybe, maybe closer to plus three thousand, uh at thirty to one, but I, I'm not sure it gets much higher than that because there's all the quarterbacks I named uh before Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, uh Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray is plus two thousand uh Rodgers, Breeze, Christian McCaffrey, Zeke Elliott. I have a question. Yeah.
1: What's Tom Brady?
2: He is plus 2800.
1: Okay, so I have with a prediction. I have a I have a prediction. Please. Uh Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have better MVP odds than Tom Brady come week 1.
2: Oh, racket. I love that. Uh That's... is who's your who's your early 2020 Regular season MVP pick. I'm giving you $100
1: to bet on this. Oh, man. (sighs) And if you you have a
2: player in mind, I can give you their odds.
1: Well, God. I don't want to alienate our listeners, but... um, I mean, Russell Wilson is... I I thought Russell Wilson would win MVP before this season started. And uh, I was... Happy to see that my take wasn't all the way wrong on that as the season yeah. went on. Yeah. Um, I think the Seahawks are going to be better next year, and I think Russ's supporting cast is going to be a little bit better, and if they end up winning 12 or 13 games, it might be kind of a a coronation narrative type award for him because people look at his last few years and be like, yeah, you know what? This guy probably deserves to win an MVP Yeah. unless Patrick Mahomes you know, does what he did last year, Um, or I should say in 2018 when he had uh, 50 touchdown passes and threw for 5,000 yards, which he might do that again next year. But um, if I were to bet $100 on MVP for 2020, I really apologize, Niners fans, but it would probably be Russell Wilson.
2: That $100 bet would bet would net you $900. I'm scrolling right on down to Baker Mayfield, dude. He's at plus thirty three hundred, so it's bet a hundred to win three thousand three hundred dollars.
1: Wait, what was Garoppolo?
2: Plus four thousand.
1: Baker Mayfield is more likely to win MVP than Jimmy Garoppolo next year.
2: According according to these odds, yes. Um, But Baker Mayfield with Kevin Stefanski uh, as their head coach now, they I know it's pretty wild. Uh, We're gonna I'm I'm (laughs) saying. I know we've got a Jimmy Garoppolo thing to talk about here in a minute, so I'm, I'm saving my takes there. But uh, Baker Mayfield in a in a real offense now uh, with all those weapons. I think we're going to see the Browns this year look a little bit more like we thought the Browns would look last year. And I think that that means Baker Mayfield is in for a big year. And I like those plus 3,300 odds. Not necessarily sure uh, I think he's going to win, but... Uh, if it means risking a hundred bucks uh, to win thirty three hundred, I think I like it. Wow, yeah, man. Baker
1: Mayfield. I, I'm not totally against your take. I'm just very surprised that he's he has better MVP yeah, or well, he is more likely MVP odds than Jimmy Garoppolo. I have, that is I, I wild.
2: Have, I have some thoughts on that, and we'll get to it in a minute. Uh, that was your BetOnline.ag futures pick of the week. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word: Blue for your 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. And and Chris, the reason I, I wanted to save this is because I think that it ties into this conversation that, that you and I wanted to have. But I think if Jimmy Garoppolo completes that, that bomb to Emmanuel Sanders and the 49ers win the Super Bowl, I bet Jimmy Garoppolo is sitting up near kyler murray or dak prescott at plus 1800
1: to plus 2000 i bet he's better than that i bet he's like 10 to 1
2: i I, I'll, i'll i'll buy that too yeah um the really quick revisionist history on jimmy garoppolo's season based on six minutes of one football game has been wild
1: yeah, I've been looking forward to, to talking about this because I've seen it on social media in the in the little bit of social media I've consumed. And obviously there are a lot of free agent quarterbacks. Um, and obviously topping the list is Tom Brady, the San Mateo native who grew up a 49ers fan and all of those things. Um, and there's, I guess, I don't know how large of a contingent of people actually want this to happen. Or, uh, but I mean, so here's my take. Um, if the 49ers want to get older, uh, worse at quarterback and piss off the locker room, I think cutting Jimmy Garoppolo and signing Tom Brady would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I, I just don't. I, I understand, like, we live in a very reactionary culture, particularly when it comes to football. And and you and I have talked about Jimmy Garoppolo and, and his role in, in the Super Bowl Um, at length but I just think it would be totally insane after all that we watched seeing Garoppolo play in 19 games to think okay the 49ers have to move on from their quarterback who just spent his first full season as a starter coming off the ACL tear um, and help get the team to the Super Bowl Um, and I know the 49ers were a team with a elite defense and an elite running game but Jimmy Garoppolo was also good to great uh hovering around very good basically all year long with a few bad spells which no quarterback is exempt from and now he's looked at in this light of well Jimmy Garoppolo can't get it done because he was bad in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl after being very good during the first three quarters um My thing with Jimmy Garoppolo has always been that um, he is very new to this like franchise quarterback, every game starter type deal, right? Like this is the first time this year he started more than five games. Uh, He'd never done that before. Um, So I went back just before we recorded this pod, just for a little bit of context. And I know it's like different eras, different teams, Um, Brady wound up winning the Super Bowl his first year as a starter. But just statistically, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's first 24 starts, um, he had a 98.7 rating. He averaged 8.42 yards per attempt, Uh, 38 touchdown passes, 21 interceptions. All right. Those are his first during his first 24 starts, regular season only with the 49ers. Tom Brady's first 24 starts with the Patriots, uh, lower passer rating, 89.1. 6.78 6.78 yards per attempt, which is flat-out bad. Garoppolo was more than a yard-and-a-half better per attempt. Um, and so, like, and look, Brady was much younger. Garoppolo 28. I understand this. Like, Garoppolo's been in the league for longer. I think Brady was just in his second season by the time he became a starter. So that obviously factors into it, too, just overall time in the NFL. But the point being, like, Jimmy Garoppolo is entering his prime and Tom Brady is well past his prime and coming off a bad season. And I know that his weapons were not nearly what he was used to in the past. He didn't have Rob Gronkowski. Julian Edelman was in and out of the lineup with injuries. Um, and they just didn't have any sort of receiving core whatsoever, particularly with the Antonio Brown situation playing out like it did. And, um, And the uh, Josh Gordon situation also um, not working out for them. But, like, to me right now, Jimmy Garoppolo is a much better option than Tom Brady. And the cost is basically going to be the same in terms of finances, but you're costing yourself years, right? Like, if you get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, theoretically, Garoppolo could be your quarterback for the next decade. Tom Brady is going to be 43 in August, and you have him for what? I mean, can you count on him for a second season? Maybe. Maybe, right? And that's that's the whole thing. Right. So with Garoppolo, you're getting a, a player, a quarterback entering his prime, who theoretically should be significantly better in Kyle Shanahan's offense in his second full season as a starter. And look, I know Garoppolo has been with Shanahan for three years now. Uh, basically two and a half after coming over in midseason trade, but like I, I think it's a valid point to bring up what Matt Ryan was like in his second season working under Kyle Shanahan um, in Atlanta when Shanahan was the offensive quarter, coordinator. Ryan was pretty mediocre in 2015 when the Falcons went eight and eight when Shanahan was in his first year there, and he had a lot of trouble with his back to the defense, running play action, and things like that. Um, but he still averaged uh, 287 yards per game and had an 89 quarterback rating. He threw 21 touchdowns to 16 interceptions, right? So Garoppolo had what, uh, 28 and 13, I think is the number 27 and 13. So Matt Ryan in his second season, won league MVP Threw for nearly 5,000 yards, had 38 touchdowns and seven picks. Uh, 9.3 yards per attempt, which is in, completely insane, and 117.1 passer rating, uh, and 79.4 QBR, which both led the NFL. Um, I don't think Garoppolo is necessarily going to win MVP next year, but the fact he's going to have a full off season now to be healthy. Look, I talked to him after um, w- when they were cleaning out the lockers and, and just talking to him about the offseason. He was like, this time last year I was just figuring out how to run because he was coming off the torn ACL and like now he can actually play football, not rehab his knee. Um, I just think Garoppolo could be significantly better next year. And the fact that he was bad for the second half of the fourth quarter should not negate everything else he did. And the type of promise that I think he has for the future going forward as a player, like a very good quarterback entering his prime, on a contract now that all the big money was paid out up front, it's basically middle of the pack when it comes to franchise quarterback money, so it's not going to break the bank. If you were to give that up for Tom Brady for one or maybe two years of Tom Brady, I mean, do you really want i you mean know, a forty four year old quarterback? I mean, I know it's Tom Brady, but like, I don't know, man <laughs> i just I just can't wrap my head around.
0: The here's, 49ers here's,
1: actually actually making this decision. Here's, and it's here's, insane to me that so many people want it to happen or think a, it's realistic. Here's a fact. If Tom Brady was
2: from uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, all right, the 49ers would not even be in the freaking conversation. But the fact of the matter is he's from San Mateo and he grew up liking the 49ers. That's the extent of the connection. That's the... And John Lynch jokingly asked if Tom Brady was available when he called about the uh, Jimmy Garoppolo trade.
1: Well, that wasn't a joke. I mean, when the when the Patriots said...
2: I always got the idea he was like, oh, well, is Tom Brady available? Like, as well, like no, a, when, knowing that they'd say no.
1: Well, they actually asked. I mean, uh, he was... When they got... When Belichick said Garoppolo's not available, Lynch legitimately, like... <laughs> If if Belichick would have said, "Yeah, well, what, what do you what would you give us for Tom Lynch?" Absolutely, would have had that conversation. Sure. So he wasn't kidding.
2: So I've always gotten the idea he was kidding. I'm glad I'm learning things on the pod. Uh, <laughs> but but Brady is 43 now, and coming off arguably a worse season than than Garoppolo had last year.
1: Significantly like, worse, like statistically. And I and and it, this it's just
2: it does it doesn't make sense on any level. Outside of Tom Brady used to like the 49ers, which is not a criteria for a team acquiring a player and cutting the quarterback that just took him to the Super Bowl and got him within six minutes of winning it in their first in his first season as a starter. The other thing to note about the Super Bowl is the Niners nearly had a stop on third and 15 uh, that that would have ended the game and won in the game as well like the moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo is just not like I I'm mad that we even have to address it but it's been brought up by enough places that it has to be addressed for how ludicrous of a thing it is yeah like and, on and, every conceivable level
1: and th- this is my least favorite part about this business of being in you know content and NFL media and all that like Anything you can make an argument for, you can create content out of and anything as controversial involving huge names like Jimmy Garoppolo at this point and Tom Brady is going to get massive clicks, right? Like if you're anybody, if you're a reputable um, outlet, you can say, well, here's a scenario. Maybe the 49ers aren't sold on Garoppolo because coming into the year there was talk that maybe they like Nick Mullins more and blah 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 blah. And now you have the fact that Garoppolo was bad in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. Hey, Tom Brady's available like there's a lot of SEO in this idea, right, right. you could you could throw Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo and 49ers and Patriots into SEO tabs and you're gonna get massive clicks because that's just like how this medium works. At this time of the year and it's one of the things I really don't like about it because I mean Kyle Shanahan basically came out and said it he was like Jimmy Garoppolo was one of the reasons we went to the Super Bowl and he thought Garoppolo was three quarters of the way to winning Super Bowl MVP uh, which he might have if he hit that throw to Emmanuel Sanders uh, instead of overshooting him so yeah I mean I just think it's crazy like Brady's worse than Garoppolo or at least he was this last year. And I know we trust him more because he has a very extensive Super Bowl resume, which also includes three Super Bowl losses, by the way. Um, and I just feel like, you know, this is this is much ado about nothing. And it's crazy. And and I think my other my my other least favorite thing about this business is like something goes wrong in a high leverage game and you have to make sweeping changes like you know, the people tweeting me like, oh, you they they have to overhaul the roster because they lost. It's like, no, like the, the, roster, the roster was one of the reasons why they got there. Truly <laughs> insane. Like, you don't need to make changes. You just need your guys to play a little bit better because you were in position to win the game. And then everything sort yeah. of fell apart. And it wasn't just Garoppolo. It wasn't just Shanahan. It wasn't just the defense. It was a perfect storm of all of these factors. And oh, by the way, Patrick Mahomes is pretty good
2: there's a small contingent as well of fire Kyle Shanahan people on the internet. Like dude, losing, losing a super bowl also means some fans lose their minds. Yeah. Like just, yeah. I can't, fun. I, I mean... can't wait for next season to start. So all of this can be over.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I think, and I thought this sort of before the season even began Like these last two years, just being around Kyle Shanahan and um, seeing how much he was able to get offensively from a team that was basically bereft of talent with, you know, CJ Beathard at times, Nick Mullins at times and how quickly Jimmy Garoppolo incorporated. Like, I know the win loss record was bad. They were 10 and 22, but it was very clear to me if the 49ers were to, like, move on from Kyle Shanahan after those two seasons that he would have been the hottest coaching candidate around. Correct. Um, and, and that certainly bore out over this last year where the 49ers rolled a ton of sevens in terms of the way they constructed the roster and wound up going to the Super Bowl. So the 49ers are fine. They're fine at quarterback. They're more than fine at head coach. Um, if Garoppolo comes out this next year and is worse, then I think it's time to have the conversation. But I don't think Garoppolo playing poorly in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl means that he will never, ever win a Super Bowl. Um, The other thing, and I know we've mentioned this before, just like it's weird how we think about quarterbacks because the only quarterbacks we trust are guys who have won Super Bowls. Well, all those guys that won Super Bowls at some point in their careers had not won Super Bowls before. So like at some point they're going to be quarter- the only options you have are quarterbacks who have not won the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes never won a Super Bowl before this, right? So like <laughs> we can't only trust quarterbacks that have not won Super Bowls. It's not how this thing works. We can't just be like, "Oh, well Tom Brady won a Super Bowl or won 5 Super Bowls." Like we can't 6 Super Bowls whatever six. it was. We can't yeah. just go back like and only trust him because that like Tom Brady's gonna be forty three.
2: Right. And here's right. here's the other thing we we're talking about betonline.ag our wonderful sponsor. Uh, they have the forty ers at plus a thousand, which are the third best odds to win the Super Bowl next year. Yeah,
1: you're, like, if you're a forty nine er fan going into the season, you should probably be pretty happy.
2: Feel great about where they're at. Yeah, this
1: and morning. I know this, losing the Super Bowl sucks, and forty ers fans are not used to it because they won their first five times, but. Um, any sort of like real worry you have about this team is, is the ultimate sort of first world problem in my opinion. Like there are a lot of teams that would, that would love to be in your shoes. So anyway, I think that's all we got. I don't want to complain anymore about the way content is consumed and created in February. (laughs) Um, but, uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for sticking with me while I knock some of this rust off, dude. Of course. You're going to Disneyland for uh, for Valentine's Day. I am. I can't wait. That I'm is very excited. that is romantic. Are you guys going to like wait till the fireworks and all that? Yeah, of course. You're going you're to stay in the park for the fireworks. I didn't yeah, do that one. does uh, the,
2: the actual move is to leave the park uh, okay. and go sit like between the parks, because then you get a great view. You don't have to fight the crowds getting out.
1: Word. Are you uh, are you staying at a Disney themed hotel?
2: No, nah, we stay we stay on uh, what I call the Strip, um, oh. which is this little cluster of hotels right there, uh, near the park entrance, but not technically on the park, park. Nice.
1: Well, enjoy yourself. I'm I will be. Uh, I got invited to a tasting of Pliny the Younger. Oh, so that's, delightful. That's how I will be spending my Valentine's Day. So uh, happy Valentine's Day to everybody who observes such such a holiday. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Maybe we'll talk about uh, some draft stuff and uh, Kyle's trip to Disneyland.